I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living room. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. I want you to get up now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So I'm David. I'm a single dad to my one and only child. His name is Miles. He is three years old. I don't know how many people do this, but um, I had my first kid at 50. So I'm Clark. I am a single dad to three girls ages. Uh, 18, 12, and my youngest just turned 11 this week and had my first kid at 25 years old. Single dad, okay, which everybody gets, but why you mad, right? Um, because uh, when I talk to people about this, one of the things they said to me is, well, what are you saying? Are you saying you're a single dad um, and you want to know why other people are mad? Or um, is somebody saying at you, hey, single dad, why you mad or whatever else it is. I think that uh, it's ambiguous for a reason. It's not just one or the other. Let's lay the foundation here, you know, for what you and I define as single dads. Sure. I, I think for our purposes, a single dad is somebody who is involved in their kid's life, not just from a financial standpoint, not just somebody who throws money at the problem, but who is involved in the day-to-day -day parenting, guidance, and development of this, you know, soon-to-be adult. And I don't want him to be like me in every way. Right. You know? But, you know, I, I I want to have an impression on this kid. No, I, I agree. I explained to somebody about parenting, especially like younger people who ask me about it. I say parenting is having to live with somebody who embodies everything you love and despise about yourself in one way. Oh, God. I just think about this thing, and, and, and I don't understand how anybody you know, would want to have a child out here and not want to raise them and not want to spend time with them. I just have such a hard time getting my head around that. So it's very interesting because I've sat and had conversations with other dudes who have kids and don't necessarily business with their kids in the same way that I business with my kids. One of the things that we like to make sure everybody knows is that, you know, we have one rule here. Um, and that is simply that we call it the way we see it. Uh, we don't claim to be child rearing dating, relationships, co-parenting, or baby mama experts. Nah. <laughs> Not even close, right? No. Um, we are exactly the opposite. It's still learning on the job. I, I describe it as flying the plane, changing the oil, and reading the instruction manual at the same time. And it, it never ends. Um, we should probably tell the listeners what our current situations are um, with respect to um, you know, the custody of our children. Sure. So... I have uh, joint custody with my kid's mom, where I have my kids at least four nights a week. So uh, for me, I have a 50-50 split also. And, and the way it works is that my kid is usually with me during the week, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And then he's with his mom on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. 
and then we alternate Mondays. And then she also gets whenever a Monday falls on a major holiday or whenever a major holiday falls on a Monday, she gets that day also. So with you guys, was it a, a court mandated schedule or was that something you guys came up with on your own? Or? Good question. When we first split up, I put together a Google calendar and on the Google calendar, we were basically um, doing the same thing where, you know, 15 days a week, he'd be with her 15 days a week, he'd be with me. And then, you know, I would just manage on the calendar, all of that activity. Right. The problem though was, you know, um, that there would be times when she would say something like, uh, this is going to get me in trouble. I know it's going to get me in trouble at some point. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't take that day or that. No, that wasn't me or no, I don't remember that. Or, You know, why can't you just, you know, take them and, 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 and let that be the end of it? Why do we have to, you know, has it have to be this sort of one for one thing or whatever else it is? And it just got to the point where I was just like, yeah, we need more, we need more structure here. So um, how about you, though? Is your your custody um, schedule court mandated? You know, so so while we were going through our split up, you know, she she ended up moving out. And, you know, as she was getting grounded, we were like, okay, we need to come up with a schedule where both of us have access to the kids, both of us can see the kids, you know, and both of us can have some semblance of a life. And initially, like, I just drafted it and I hung it on my fridge and I put like little, like little icons so they knew what days were daddy's days and what days were mommy's days or whatever. And then when we were going through the divorce process, we went through a mediator versus, you know, having two two uh, attorneys or separate attorneys and going through an adversarial divorce process. How the, How the fuck, fuck did, I get, did I get here? And um, what we mean by that is how did I get here? How did I get from being uh, a person who was in a relationship with another person who had a child, you know, who had all good intents and all good ideas, all good purposes to do this thing, right? Right. Be with this person and raise this child. Okay, let me speak for myself, right? How the fuck did I get here? How the fuck did I meet somebody, get into a relationship with this person, have a baby with them, and want to have other children, but then end up here, a single parent with split time, lemons to lemonade. Right. Or chicken shit to chicken salad, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So um, how the fuck did you get here? We got to a point where... We had a falling out and I said to her, you know what? Lose my number, lose my cell phone number, lose my pager number, lose my office number. Don't call me ever again. And then the next day, my phone starts ringing. I look down and it's her number. She's pregnant. I said, because that's the only reason she would have the balls to call me after I said what I said to her. As you know, her pregnancy went along, we decided to give being a relationship a shot. So we were living together, you know, raising this kid. Um, and then we got married in 2005. Ultimately, ended up with two more kids after our first, after the wedding. And her as a stay-at-home mom while I was out working and you know, you know, maintaining that balance. And then we got to a point where I went through a layoff. So we got married in 2005. 2009, I got laid off from my job. And I was home for like nine months. And during that time, there was one night where like I was home with the kids. and. 
her brother was hanging out with us and she was supposed to go out with some friends. And she went out and she called me and she's like, hey, I'm parked over on such and such a street. Why don't you come and meet me? So I'm like, bet, you know, we're going to go hang out for a little bit while he sits here with the kids. Hey, I'll be right back. So I run out and we have a conversation in the car and she'd been drinking. And I'm like, oh, okay, you got a little buzz going. What's up? And she's like, you know, I think we should separate. I go, what? It's like, yeah, you know, I, I just don't think that we gel. I don't think we get along. I think we should separate. So she said we should separate. And then we didn't have that conversation again. Like she came home, she went to bed and then we continued on and nothing happened until a couple months later, we got into an argument over something I said on her Facebook page. And she said, oh, you know, we, we just need to separate. Like, I think we need to separate. We need to be done. And that's when we're like, okay, fine. The hell with it. We're going to separate. We separated in, in September 2009. After that conversation, we woke up the next morning and, and we talked about it and we decided to separate. We ended up sharing a house for about a year and a half after that separation. And you know, it was pretty much her coming and going as she pleased and, and you know living her life and me going, oh, shit, like, we're about to get divorced. So um, how the fuck did I get here? I met my son's mother probably 10 years before we actually started dating. We used to work together. And she was married at the time, right? You know, we would work together and we were successful on a couple of projects. And I always appreciated, you know, how hard she worked and, and how she was able to get things done. And then we remained friends and we used to see each other in Harlem every now and then. And we talk. And then I, I found out, you know, that she was getting divorced or whatever else it is. Um, was separated. Probably, you know, two years after her divorce or separation, we were at the same club together. And she just came over to me and she told me that, you know, she's always had a crush on me. You know, we started uh, dating not long after that. I'm going to say three or four months after that. At the most, six months after that, we started dating. And two or three months after that, I moved in with her. And a month after that, we found out she was pregnant. She had my son in April of 2016. We decided to separate in September of 2016, and I moved out in April of 2017. So what caused the transition from between moving in and having your son and then moving out? Like, what changed? I'm going to say, um, without getting myself in too much trouble, that uh, I think that we both realized that we were not the person we wanted each one to be. You know, I saw her as this person or the possibility of being this person, not actually that person. And I think she saw me the same way. Right. You know? And I think it did not take long for both of us to realize, you know, that wasn't going to happen. Now, I got to be honest, right? I think she was saying that as a means to get me to bend. At the age of 50, fuck that. I don't want to do that shit. Don't get me wrong, though. In the middle of the breakup, right, um, I went through some, you know, some tough moments, some tough emotional moments. Absolutely. The shit wasn't easy. I mean, there was a couple of times I was on the phone emotional to a couple of my friends. There's no way in the world I'm going to let these streets or another man raise my kid. I want my kid, if he's going to walk and talk like somebody, to walk and talk like me. Because like I talked about earlier, there's no way in the world I'm going to be okay with somebody out here raising my kids. I'm not even okay with just my son's mother raising my kid, having nothing to do with her, having nothing to do with any problem that I may possibly have about her personality or how she moves or whatever else it is. I'm just not comfortable with anybody being the only influence on my kid without me 
having something to fucking say about. I don't, I'm not perfect. I don't want him to do everything like me. You know, I want him to be a better version of me. I, I definitely want to raise my kid. So it was tough for me. In my situation, oh, I absolutely had emotional moments. My mom and dad were together for 43 years when my dad passed away. And how many brothers and sisters? So I'm the third of five. So I have two older sisters, my baby sister, and my baby brother. So we grew up in a household where mom and dad would ride and die for each other. And I think the main the main difference that a lot of people don't understand, especially if you don't watch people who've been in long-term relationships, they don't always get along. Hell, they're- my, my, my mom and dad were arguing all the time. They always argue. Right, you know, my mom and dad didn't argue a lot, but when they did, you know, it would be like, I'm not fucking with you right now. You've had your whole fucking life to think things over. What good's a few minutes more gonna do you now? Stay away from me, please. been asked time and time again that we go deeper especially when it came to how the fuck did i get here people wanted us to go deeper tell me more and today we have somebody joining us ellen now ellen i want you to ask me whatever it is you want to and i will do my best to be honest about it and open without fucking myself up do i jump in or what, what do you want me to do yeah, just jump in. So, okay. So what's, what's interesting about the two of you is you both have um, unique circumstances, yet there are some similarities. And the one similarity that I'm interested in exploring is the fact that both the women in your lives chose to exit the relationship. So, Chris Clark, I'm sorry, you mentioned, I think it was in episode three or four, I'm not sure, that your ex-wife was done. Right, and I think there was only one year left to get to alimony, but she was done before that. But she didn't want to wait to get the bread. She was done. So my question is, what role do you think you played in her being done? If I'm really candid and honest, I was incredibly work focused. I still am. I'm incredibly career focused. I remember having the conversation with my ex-wife while you know we were married and saying, "You are not cut out." to be a CEO's wife. That's not how you're built. I said, because for me, there's certain things that I have to do and certain things that I'm trying to accomplish for our family. And I don't have the time to do the constant turnaround and like, yo, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Now, absolutely. If, you, if you're not okay and you shout out, help me, or I'm not okay, I'm going to stop and I'm going to take care of you. But I'm also not that dude be constantly doing the check-in and pulse check. And do you think that if she had done the homework, and found out that, you know, if she hung out one more year, then she would have gotten alimony also? I, 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 you know, I don't know. I don't think she will. Because, like, when we talk about it, we were married for four years, but we had been together for about 10 years at that point. And it, when she talks about it, she goes, you know, I was considering leaving two years in advance. So then my follow-up question to that is, what role do you think she played in the relationship being over? Yeah, I, I think... You know, she carries with her a very significant pain body that affects the way that she views things. So I, 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 think, the, I think what the question is, what is it? What was that baggage? Name three. Then give some insight. 
insight. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? So, so, so real insight, I would say, her upbringing and relationship with her father. And how did that manifest in your relationship? What did that look like in your relationship together? Sure. I, I think there was a lot of frustration with the expectation as to what a man is supposed to be, a husband is supposed to be, or a boyfriend. Mm -hmm. I, I think that, that posed a huge issue. I think difficulty in past relationships that she had created certain expectations. It created, you know, and, and not necessarily positive expectations for, for me and my behavior. And quite candidly, there was a time very early on where I fucked up. And that she carried with that with her the entire time. Question. Yes. You fucked up how? I hooked up with somebody else. Shit. Okay. Okay. That's real. I mean, that's that's real. And so and so. Okay. Okay. Now we're getting somewhere. Right. And so that broke trust. Right. I mean, I don't know that there's you know there's plenty of women out there that that could relate to that. And I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's inhuman. I'm not saying it's wrong. Right. I'm not saying it is what it is. I think also the difference is, you know, when you talk about talk about the breaking of trust, you know, moving forward from the breaking of trust. I don't I would never say to somebody, you know, you carrying this too long. You need to let it go. That's like me punching you in the mouth and telling you when it's supposed to stop hurting. But if we are in a situation where five, 10, 15, 20 years removed from that, and I've shown you repeatedly and constantly that that's not the dude I am. Or, I'm, or I've grown and evolved from that situation, how are we supposed to move forward if we keep returning to that? How, how are you showing that if you are emotionally unavailable? When and, trust in itself is rooted in emotional availability. And I, I, I will say the idea of emotional unavailability is subjective. Maybe I wasn't as emotionally unavailable as she made out to be. Maybe I was not as horrific as she makes me out or made me out to be. I'm waiting for her to get on <laughs> for us to have this this baby mama episode and talk about the nature of our relationship. Because there were a lot of times in our association where we were the only people that the other had. Now I was incredibly supportive of her. And so it, in hindsight, do you have some not sympathy but empathy for your ex wife and her feeling that you weren't there emotionally for her? And keep in mind, you, you took it as whining and bitching and moaning, but what if what she was expressing to you was valid in her eyes and she didn't look at it as whining and bitching and moaning? If you stub your toe, I don't know what your pain center is. I can't tell you, oh, you know, get over it. It's the same thing with emotional trauma. And she and I've said she has a pain body that you know, she's carried with her for a very long time. So, of course, that's going to make her. And, and, so did, and so did you. Right. I mean, we all have them. But I would say in her case, like, you know, it, hers makes her incredibly sensitive to certain things. And would it be safe to assume that yours makes you incredibly insensitive? Insensitive is relative, Ellen. It, right. Insensitive is relative. But I get where you're going with it. I get what you're saying. And I'm not discounting what Ellen's saying. I'm saying, to your point, David, insensitive is relative. And also, if you are objectively looking at the situation, the idea was you're not as insensitive as, as you're, you were made out to be, or you're not as you know distant as you're made out to be. You know, you are in very many ways caring, loving, and supportive. You just didn't have tolerance for certain things. One last quick question, quick answer. What would you do differently this time around? New relationship? You know what? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> you would do all the same shit over. You know, 
stopped giving a fuck why so when it initially became clear to me that this was not gonna last i remember going downstairs outside the building and talking to a friend of mine's on the phone crying because my fear was that i was going to saddle my boy with the same baggage that I'm carrying or or some other type of baggage that is similar to what I'm carrying and that he would be reduced, slowed down, not reach his full potential, whatever else it is, because he's dealing with all of this baggage the way I have dealt with it. And then after that, that decision was made, I was just like, fuck it. But I got to be honest, I don't think that there was anything that I could have done differently besides just sit it out and allow myself to be abused. I don't think that there was anything else I could have done besides just sit there and allow myself to be abused. I I reached a point in my life where I've said there was a time in my life, it's like in my marriage, where I would just fucking be there and I just stick it out and take whatever comes because I was so afraid of the abandonment. You break up after being in a relationship for a significant amount of time, those issues of abandonment come up. And there's like, you know, this fear in the pit of your stomach and this emptiness and you don't know what it's about, and you know, so on. So there would be times when I would stick through shit simply because of that. But then after, you know, probably two or three relationships after my marriage, I said, fuck that. I don't have to do that shit no more. If I got through yeah. it now, and I got through it this time, I can get through it the next time. Allowing somebody to be bad. So some people believe that if you allow me to be mean to you, that means you love me. No, I show you I love you by allowing you to be nice to me. So you've mentioned in a previous episode that you all were friends for an X amount of years. 10 years. Um, 10 years. And yeah. then she got her divorce and then she professed, you know, her like for you. And then you guys started dating and everything happened relatively quickly. So during... At that time period, did you ever notice this meanness or, you know, weird um, behavior? I, yes. Did it all kind of... Yes. And how... The first date. Are you shitting me? No. The first date, oh. we didn't even go out. The first date that we had, we were supposed to go out. We set up a time to go out. I called and let her know that I was on my way because we had already said that this is the day, this is the time, and she didn't respond. And then just as I got up upon her building to show up, she reaches back to me to say, where are you? And I'm like, where am I? What do you mean, where am I? I'm pulling up outside your building. Where are you? Oh, I'm not there. I'm coming up in a taxi right now. Really? Okay. And at that point right there, I said to myself, I don't need this shit. Why start out with somebody who was supposed to show up and they're not showing up? Showing up is half the fucking game. If you show up, you know, you're halfway there. I didn't talk to her for like two or three weeks after that. We never went on that date. And she called and texted for a couple of weeks after that. Hey, just wanted to connect or whatever it is, how you doing, whatever else it is. And I just didn't respond. And then one day I did respond. So we actually went to therapy, right? And the therapist said, you guys need to figure out what was your connection. There was some reason that you guys connected. You need to figure out what that was. And I did. And what was it? I was 49, she was 36 or 37, 
and we both wanted to have a baby. The first date, we didn't go out. Then we did go out and we had a decent time together. Then we started dating and I wasn't fully committed yet. And then eventually by June, May, April, somewhere around there, started dating more often when it got warmer out. We became committed and by August she was pregnant. Why did you decide to move in with her instead of her with you? She's probably going to tell you her version. I've been meaning to talk about this shit for some time, and I'm glad <laughs> you asked. So she's living over here in Harlem. I had a place in the Bronx. I still have that place in the Bronx. A friend of mine that I knew from one of the hangout spots here in Harlem was sleeping on sofas. He needed a place to sit. I said to him, so listen, the way this relationship is going, chances are we're probably, if I don't move in with her, we're probably going to grab a place together and then you can get my spot. Probably in June or May, she said uh, we should move in together. I was like, okay, so, you know, where are we going to live? Your spot or my spot? And she was like, uh, well, I'm not moving. And I was like, okay. He, is, he, he was the second sign that there was some bullshit going on. The first question out of her mouth was, well, how much are you contributing uh, to the bills? So what I wanted to say is, I ain't asked you to come over there. You asked me to come over there. You've been paying for this by yourself for how long? Why all of a sudden now is that the topic of discussion? The yeah. fact that there was an expectation that I would share in the expenses was not the issue. The issue is, how is that the first thing that comes out of your mouth after you ask me to come live with you? If I ask you to come live with me, I ain't asking you for nothing because- I'm going to ask hold on, you. Hold on, hold on. Hold what on, are hold on, your wait, expectations? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Go ahead. You know why I ain't asking you for nothing? Because you coming in that spot don't change nothing. You didn't ask me. I asked you to come live with me. How does you coming to stay with me change anything that goes on? From where I sit, the con ed may go up a little bit, but what else is going to change? The food? Okay, well, you're going to buy Definitely. it. Okay, but I'm a natural. The only thing that's not changing is the rent. Exactly. So why is that the first topic of conversation? David, because well, here's, here's, here's why, I, I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, David, why you're offended by that, because the male perception of the situation is completely different than the female perception in general. And I think for men, if you look at it, it's like, yo, I've been doing this before. You just come in, you just come in into my crib, whatever. Men in general assume that there's a certain level of responsibility that goes along with having a woman in your life. And sometimes that's financial responsibility. So you don't have the conversation if a woman moves in with you in general. Listen, all I'm saying is, if I invite you to out to dinner, I don't ask you if you're going to pay for something. If I invite you to go to the movies, I don't ask you how much are you going to, or you get the popcorn and I'll get this. If I invite you to go on vacation, male or female, I don't ask you. That's not the first thing out of my mouth. But that's also that's a very, the norm. I, I think that that's an adult thing. I don't think that that's a male or a female thing. Oh, I, I, I think I, I, that that is an adult perspective. And also another thing um, that's a little too real for us women is we don't want a dude that's just going to be posted up on a couch collecting dust. Now, I know that's not you, David, by any stretch of the fucking and, imagination, and, but that's and, a real fear. And my point is she should have known that also. That's my point. She should have, she knew me for 10 years. She knew, knows what I do. She knows my business. We work together. She should have known that also. Let me just get back to um, how we separated and you asked the question about 
and I know I'm going to get kicked in the teeth for it, right? But I'm willing to I'm willing to fucking go at it because, you know, part of me going at it right now is that I want her, so we want to do a baby mama episode. And right now, I know if I asked her, she ain't all about that shit, right? But I'm hoping that some of this inspires her to come on for equal time, right? I hope so too. Now I'm getting ready to um, uh, uh, strap in everybody because this is going to be rough. Yeah. So here's what I found out. So she was recently divorced. Okay. I'll be taking a breath. And she was getting alimony from her husband. And that alimony ended about three or four months before I moved in. Now you take from that. You, well, then that answers the question. You take from that whatever it is, right? But we had an argument one time because um, she says to me, um, why didn't you say we should move into your place? Why did you agree with me to move in my place? I don't need a man that just says yes to whatever it is I say. I need a man that will stand up to me and all that other sort of stuff. And I was like, listen, B, you the one that said you wasn't moving. That shit ain't make no big deal to me to pay no extra bills. Why all of a sudden is money an issue now? You've been living in that motherfucker for two, three years, whatever else it is. How? Because I didn't know all of this stuff that I just talked to you about. So I'm saying these were some of the red flags that were there that normally in a situation like this, I would have bounced a lot sooner. But because that energy was there, that energy about she, I wanted a child and she wanted a child, that shit was talking to each other. And I just ignored everything else. I'm gonna get my fucking head handed to me on this. Shit. So, so let me let me let me tell you this. Let me tell you. We found out she was pregnant. Three days later, we're in the bedroom, and uh, she wants to have a conversation with me about starting a college fund for my kid. And I'm saying, Yo, you just peed on the stick fucking three days ago. What the fuck, man? What are you talking about starting a college goddamn college fund? I'm just trying to have a, a healthy baby. How about we start there? Well, we need to discuss having, you know. Um, this college fund, this is a conversation we really need to have. And I said, you just peed on the fucking stick. <laughs> shit isn't even fucking dry yet. The shit is still in the bathroom. <laughs> Yo, we talking about we starting a goddamn college fund. You need to fucking relax. And he went... That's the, the day I know and love. <laughs> and she went the fuck off. I'm done. I'm done. You ain't no leader. You ain't no leader. I'm done. I'm done. This is over. So, you know, when I talk to people about that, everybody tries to tell me that you need to chalk that shit up to the fucking hormones. I don't chalk that shit up to no fucking hormones. I don't believe that she really wanted to go our separate ways, right? I don't really believe that. This is what I meant when I said I stopped giving a fuck. I think that it was a way. So, you know, you say to me, we need to go get a new apartment. We need to get a larger apartment. We don't need to be in this apartment. Nigga, we staying right here until I get ready to go. Because if we go somewhere and I'm absolutely responsible for it, then I need to be comfortable wherever it is and I need to go when I'm not ready to go, not when you're ready to go, right? If you want to go, go ahead, bye. You know, knock yourself out, right? So I said no to that. I said no to, you know, starting the college fund. I said no to a bunch of things. And I think that, and I've talked about this before, that I don't think she really wanted out as much as she really wanted me to bend. And I would not bend. Let me ask you this. When you guys both realized that the baby, having a baby was the, the, the bond 
I don't Did think we both that? realized. No, no, no. We never had that conversation. I'm telling but you. But I thought you said when you right went to now. therapy. No, it never came up. Oh. He asked the question. We never talked about it. We never talked Got about it. it over open. She's probably just hearing it right now. Who do you think she saw through her rose-colored glasses? I don't know. All I know is after we separated, that motherfucker asked me for another baby at least five times. <laughs> Wow. So if I was so goddamn awful, why are you asking me for another baby? Yo, son, can, can I not That's be a on valid question. <laughs> it might get denied now. I never said that. I never said But listen, I'm telling you, at least five times can I have another baby. When are we going to work on our relationship? You said we were going to work on our relationship. So she, does she still want to be with you today? Is that an option? I have no idea. Um, I do not broach those conversations. Those conversations get started, and I just... Get off. Any conversation outside of what time are we picking them up, what time are we dropping them yeah. off, just get yeah. off. I just get off because it, it elevates too fast and it gets out of control too fast. And then I might end up saying something that I really mean. You know how some people say shit that they don't really mean? No, I say what I really mean. Who did you see through your rose colored glasses, Dave? So when we worked together 10 years ago, I was running a project where we were trying to get land from the city of New York. And they assigned her to help me. And she said that she was going to go out and file these papers to get us designated as a, what they call a CHOTA, a community um, development organization. And I said, well, there's a lot of work involved with that. Why do that? You're going to waste time with that when we should be focusing on the proposal so that we can get these parcels of land. And she said, well, I'm going to do it anyway. And I was like, yeah, I, you know, go ahead. As long as it don't take away from, you know, what we're working on over here, that's fine. And she did. And the city sent the letter awarding us the property that we were after. And we got it. And one of the things they said in the letter is you were partially awarded to this because you are a Chodo. And I remember the email came around that said, uh, congratulations to David Crockett, who just got us, you know, three point something million dollars from the state of New York and these parcels of land. And I had to send an email back that said, I cannot take full credit for this. I also have to thank her because she did such and such, even though I thought she shouldn't. And that was part of the reason that we were granted this thing. So that's the person I saw. Somebody who was hardworking, somebody who was tough, and somebody who would get things done. I cannot wait for the baby mama episode. Listen. I pray. I pray to God. She or they both come on. I really do. Because yeah. it would be amazing to hear both POVs at the same damn time. But the problem but the problem with that is that you're going to have to come with receipts. Because motherfuckers say whatever the fuck it is they want to say. Have you watched Love & Hip Hop? You got to expect a reunion show that people are going to be honest. And they're just not. They're just not. Honesty is a function of perception. If from your perception, you... you don't call it, No, some people just lie. Some people just lie. Stop. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. Stop making it... Some people just lie. That is true. So are y'all are y'all saying that your exes may come on this show and spew some bullshit? I'm not saying my exes come on here. Don't, don't put words in my mouth. And ladies and gentlemen of the jury... The prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. My client, the Honorable Henry T. Fleming, should go right to fucking jail. The son of a bitch is guilty. That man is a slime. He is a slime.
If he's allowed to go free, then something really wrong is going on. Mr. Crispin, you are out of order. You're out of order. You're out of order. The whole trial is out of order. They're out of order. That man, that sick, crazy, depraved man, raped and beat that son there, and he likes to do it again. He told me so. It's just a show. It's a show. Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. Hey, Frank, you want to make a deal? I got an insane judge who likes to beat the shit out of women. What do you want to give me, Frank? Three weeks probation? You, you son of a bitch, you. You're supposed to stand for something. You're supposed to protect people, but instead you're a fucking murderer. You kill McCullough. You killed him. Hold it. Hold it. I just completed my opening statement.